Good morning. This is Alicia Bales. I am live in the studio with Dr. Drew Colfax for another edition of the local coronavirus update. Here we are still here. Hi, Drew. Hello, Alicia. Good morning. How are things going? Oh, just great. <laughs> happy, to, happy to be back on the air. You know, two years in. It's almost, really, it's yeah. practically our, our show anniversary. Yeah. Yay. Two years. Yay. And we're still here. Yeah. Still talking about coronavirus, still needing to hear the latest. And I guess. I mean, I, I'm frankly shocked that people are still listening to coronavirus. Well, I mean, everything st- is continuing. Pe- I mean, yeah. we have the most people in the hospital right now than we've had in the whole two years of the pandemic. Uh, just about. We have very high numbers right now, to be sure. Um, so. Let's do it. Numbers are such. We are currently um, at 12,589 cases in the county total count. We've added um, almost 650 in the two weeks since our last show. Um, We are averaging about 55 new cases a day, which is down considerably from where we were in January. So the, the Omicron surge is, in fact, receding. It's kind of receding a bit more slowly than I think any of us would have hoped for, would have liked, but it is improving. That said, um, as a lagging indicator, our hospitalization rate remains fairly stubbornly high. It's been in the teens um, for most of the last couple of weeks, and right now it is 19 people hospitalized with uh, COVID, um, seven in the ICU, um, and just two uh, additional deaths from COVID um, just reported yesterday. So still a lot of COVID around us, but improving. Um, the the state trend is one of improvement um, as well, sort of on the same percentages. We're down to about 25,000 uh, cases a day, which is down about 65% um, over the rolling two-week average. And most critically, um, hospitalization rate is um, finally coming down um, appreciably. We're down about 35-40% hospitalization rate over two weeks. Uh, and that that is sort of mirroring the national trend as well. So we're we're getting through the surge. It is receding, um, and I suspect when we return in two more weeks, uh, we will see continued trends in that direction. The death rate, which is the most sort of lagging indicator, um, is finally flattened and starting to tilt negative. So we've, we plateaued at around 2,400, 2,500 deaths a day in the country, um, and that has clearly plateaued at this point. It's starting to just trend down, and I think we'll start to see that drop fairly sharply over the course of the next couple of weeks. Okay, so whenever the numbers start to go down after a surge like this, Mm. we always then start to hear tons and tons of discussion about relaxing the different protective uh, rules and mandates that have been in place. So now everybody's talking about relaxing mask mandates. Yes, to mask or not to mask is the question. Because masking is just so horrible and awful and (laughs) the worst thing that ever happened to anyone. I yeah it's you know the 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 masking opposition is really not about 
the mask itself. It's more uh, a, a touchstone or a lodestone for the cultural wars that are being waged. And, you know, on one side you have the cultural warriors um, in favor of stupidity. Um, and the other side, there are people who actually understand what masks do and don't want to infect other people and contribute to the 2,500 deaths that we're seeing daily in this country, which exceeds the average number of daily deaths during any American war. Um, so let's just be very clear that this is still a very deadly, very serious pandemic. I have very little tolerance for such people, frankly. Well, so what do you think about all of the different um, masking changes right now like the state of california what's going on with the state of california and how is mendocino county reacting well mendocino county i mean andy did the right thing um to extend the mass mandate through the end of the month um so i i applaud that California is doing what is politically in the wind, if you will, um, which is to say it's walking away from the masking requirement. Um, I think it's scheduled to drop February 15th or 16th. That's today. So... Can we take our masks off? Go for it. No. <laughs> I just got so, a new one. Yeah, no, it's 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 curious, and you know, a lot of states, not California, but a lot of other states, actually ban mask requirements. So it's just it's misguided. Uh, masks should stay on for indoor activities. They should be required, um, mostly to protect the people who want to and who need to work in those facilities. You don't want unvaccinated um, yahoos coming in without a mask on. I don't. Um, and hospitals rightly continue to require masking, no ifs, ands, or buts. And that should just be required still. I mean, we're getting considerable uh, natural immunity from Omicron to be sure you can't add you know this many cases on a daily or monthly basis and not have considerable buildup of immunity in the population but it's still a pandemic folks and we're still seeing a fairly large number of deaths from it most critically I think as we look forward to how this is going to unfold in the weeks to months years to come, we still aren't at a point where we have um, widespread availability of the very good therapeutics that we um, have seen developed over the course of the last two years. So the, the pills that help significantly lessen uh, the severity of illness just really aren't effectively available yet. They're extremely rationed. We're constantly out of them. We'll get a handful of a supply in and within an hour or two they will be out again. So those kind of therapeutics, when they become more widely distributed and available, really will change the risk analysis for all of us because it will mean if you do get COVID, there will be a good treatment that will significantly minimize your risk of getting acutely ill from it, whether you're vaccinated or not. All right. The other thing that's in the news this week is about um, the approval for the use of vaccines in the youngest children. Yes. What, what's the age group that they're looking at now? They're looking at basically under five. Uh -huh. So the, 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 the small children, the young children, um, two to five, there was, they're still, they're putting it on hold. Because it wasn't working, right? Well, it was working in the older distribution of that age group the problem is a, a one-year-old is very different sized from a four and a half year old um and so they're trying to 
find the right dosing schedule um, and the dosing amount that's safe and effective. Um, and in the older age, end of that age range, it seemed like they were getting some effectiveness, but in the younger end of that range, it wasn't quite working as well as they had hoped. So they're, you know, the clinical trials are still unfolding to sort that out. So no, no approval anytime soon for the youngest. I folks. would not expect to see it before the summer. All right. Um, anything else? Uh, not, not a lot. Uh, not a lot of breaking scientific news um, on COVID in the last couple of weeks. Um, the, the real news is, you know, we're we're getting through Omicron finally, um, and there's increasing recognition that we are moving into the endemic stage of our pandemic, which will be an interesting stage. I think the real, as I just mentioned, the real sort of tipping point will be uh, when we get to a point where we have widespread availability of some of these therapeutics. I think it's safe to say, at least with Omicron, that we're past the level of concern or any significant level of concern regarding overwhelming hospitals um, locally or really anywhere in the nation. I think we're able to largely avoid that, even though it got fairly nip and tuck in Uh some regions of the country. was it here in Mendocino County? How the hospital? How was fare? it or is it? It's still tight, to be was sure. Slash yeah. is yes. Uh, so you know, it, it Northern California beds became vanishingly rare for much of January um, of any sort. And that's easing, um, generally. I mean, they're good days and they're bad days. Sometimes when we have to transfer somebody out, a bed becomes available, and you're able to transfer somebody out pretty quickly. But when we have, in this county, seven people in ICU with COVID, that, that's a significant fraction of our, our ICU beds. Um, and, you know, when we're dealing with Omicron and staff is contracting COVID and falling out for, you know, 10 days while they recuperate at home, that, that puts staff shortages into high relief um and so it's it's been tight um but i don't think it's gonna get worse i think we're on the trajectory where things are going to continue to improve over the course of the next couple weeks anything about the hospital system in mendocino county that helped you get through it like do you guys work really well together or you know do you have any kind of strengths that that yeah so the hospital systems are, are integrated now right so adventist controls all three hospitals now which is new in the last couple of years as they sort of took over the coast hospital um and so that gave us an integrated ability to move patients uh, from one hospital to another um, more or less seamlessly. I mean, it's not 100% seamless because you need an ambulance, um, and there aren't a lot of there aren't a lot of trucks in the county, um, and they have been in critically short supply for the last couple of years. Yes, this is not um, new to the no, pandemic. No, you know the. The added burden of the mental health toll means that if somebody needs to be transferred to a mental health facility in Reading, that takes a truck out of action for the round trip to Reading and back. And so we are chronically short of units that can move people. Um, But the capacity to talk with house supervisors, nursing house supervisors in the other hospitals, just pick up the phone, talk to a colleague, makes things a lot faster and a lot easier um, and it makes it safer for patients we also have integrated medical records so we can see exactly who's coming from where because we can just pull it up on the computer uh-huh and which, so hopefully you know, that's helped shockingly we don't have a national integrated medical record system so you know somebody comes from the va i have no idea what their history is uh-huh. because you know it's a different system 
Well, and this these kinds of revelations, I mean, you already knew them as a healthcare provider and frontline worker, but, you know, the pandemic has really exposed a, a lot of the dangerous and horrendous weaknesses of our healthcare system that we knew about generally, but specifically. And there's, you know, of all of the national news about protests against uh, safety protocols for COVID, it seems like, on the other hand, there are real systemic issues, weaknesses, um, inequities that need to be changed. And in terms of the specific demands that could be made to improve our healthcare system, I'd love to see trucks blockading, demanding, you know, universal health care. And it would be know. nice, right? You know, we can we can block the Canadian bridge until <laughs> we get the Canadian health care model. <laughs> I mean, you know, setting aside the inequities, which are, you know, much more complex, just the inefficiency of the American healthcare system is is shocking, frankly. Um, and the pandemic has just revealed that. At least it's revealed it to those of us who are paying attention. <laughs> All right. Well, should we go ahead and open up the phone line, see what other I folks guess are we ought thinking to. and yeah. wondering about our current state of coronavirus here in the county? All right, the number is 707-895-2448. This is the local coronavirus update. I'm Alicia Bales, live in the studio with Dr. Drew Colfax. We come to you every other Tuesday morning, so every first and third Tuesday morning from 9 to 10. We alternate with Dr. Marvin Trotter and Mind Body Health. He also talks about uh, challenges, public health challenges, and other health challenges for our community. Um, And it is a call-in show as well. So let's take our first call. Good morning, caller. You're live on the air. Good morning. Thank you for the show. Uh, Can you speak to the uh, stats on the waning um, effectiveness of our boosters? Yeah, that's that's a really good question. Um, I have been in communication with medical providers and clinics in the county because the increasing data suggests that um, the waning immunity uh, for people who are fully boosted, fully vaccinated, which still, um, and I think erroneously, is defined as somebody who either received the two-shot sh- two series of Pfizer or Moderna or a single J&J vaccine. That is still defined as being fully vaccinated, um, which is um, not medically sound. Um, the immunity that those individuals have significantly drops off. Um, we had been thinking six months, but I think we can now move the needle closer to five months or even four months as the data um, um, becomes more uh, transparent. People who have been boosted similarly drop off about four to five months after that booster. So the durability of our immunity um, is proving to be less durable than many of us had hoped, particularly in the face of this Omicron uh, variant. It seems to be that that immunity has waned. That Good news um, is that the people who have the hybrid immunity, so the people who have contracted COVID, which is now you know probably in excess of 25,000 in this county, even though the official count is 12,000, um, the hybrid immunity, so people who are vaccinated and have had COVID, whether symptomatic or not, have apparently much more 
durable immunity, which will help protect against any future strains, we think. Um, but, you know, as, as we all sort of watch this unfold, we recognize that new variants, new mutations in the virus could um, evade our immune response, uh, whether it's induced or, or natural or hybrid. All of which is to say, I am encouraging um, healthcare providers to start giving, I, drum roll please, but to start giving a second booster to those people who are um, elderly. And I'm talking, you know, the people over 75 um, or who have significant health care conditions. The CDC hasn't gotten there yet. Um, so there's no state or federal recommendation regarding that. But I think the data is there. It's just, you know, government moves, unfortunately, quite slowly even in the face of a pandemic. So if you're over 75 or if you have um, significant immune suppression, I would urge you to call your healthcare provider and ask when you're going to get your, your second booster if you were boosted sometime early on when they became available, which, as I recollect, was sometime in September. Okay, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Good question. Hope that wasn't too long-winded. All right. Thanks for the question. So, but in the four to five months when, after you get the booster, they are quite effective, correct? Oh, very effective, yes. And even as the immunity wanes, there is still a considerable amount of protection. It's just not in the 85 to 95 percent reduction of possibility of hospitalization or death, which we, you know, were fortunate to see with the initial rollout of these vaccines. It, you know, it drops to uh, 50 to 60 percent reduction, which is good by any measure, but it's not fantastic. Um, and as we're seeing with 2,500 deaths nationwide on a daily basis, you know, of which probably 25% are um, amongst people who are vaccinated, you know, you want, you want to try to minimize that, obviously. Uh-huh. All right, let's take our next call. Good morning, caller. You're live on the air. Uh, yeah, um, <clears throat> I'd like to ask about uh, the possibility of losing all of our doctors in our community, uh, Adventist Health, uh, switching hospitalist groups and doctors who have cared for all the people in our community all of a sudden going to be leaving. Yeah, that's that's an ongoing um, negotiation um, with Adventist, with the hospitalist group of doctors. It's not all the doctors. Obviously, um, there are at the majority of healthcare providers in this county do not work um, as hospitalists. And when we talk about hospitalists, we're talking about the doctors who take care of people in the hospitals, um, sort of a specialty um, subset of internal medicine doctors generally or family practitioners sometimes. Um, but those are the people who are in the hospital um, around the clock taking care of people who are sick enough to require hospitalization. That type of medicine, that practice of medicine didn't exist um, 30, 40 years ago. It used to be that if you got sick, your doctor would make rounds in the hospital and see you and then go home and go to his clinic and see the rest of his patients. That model has fallen away as sort of the economic pressures and the complexity of medicine have made it um, impractical. But um, stay tuned, I guess, is the, is the short answer. Uh, we'll see what happens. Um, I know that Adventist is looking at the contract with the hospital's doctors right now, um, and I think we'll probably have an answer as to what's going to happen within the next couple of weeks there. Thank you. Yep. 
All right. For people who really have no idea what you're talking about in terms of how the <laughs> contract the, the with business of the business of medicine, and believe me, it's a it's a big business indeed, right? Twenty percent of the GDP goes into delivery of a Man. rather uh, mediocre healthcare system. Right. Um, but why would the county lose our hospitalists? Well, it's not the county that would lose our hospitalists. It's whether Adventist elects to retain the contract um, that provides the hospitalists uh, with the current um, with the current group, which okay. includes my group, PRMG, and also a subgroup that staffs the hospitals in um, Howard or in Willits and on the coast. Uh huh. So, uh, if the contract negotiations don't go well. Your group and the hospitalist contract would uh, be terminated or wouldn't go forward, and then they'd look for hospitalists from elsewhere? Uh, they would look for a, a corporate um, contracting group that would come in from elsewhere, yes, that would um, you know, presumably offer the opportunity for these hospitals to work for them um, or bring in doctors from outside. Okay, yes. so it sounds like a complex situation will... We'll stay tuned. It it is not simple. Let's just say that. Yes. (laughs) Okay. We'll stay tuned for that one. Sounds like it could have really strong effect on healthcare in our community. Hello, caller. You are live in the air. On the air. In the air. (laughs) I think we're on (laughs) it. It's all in the air. Or through the air. You're live through the air. Hi. Hi. I don't really have a question. Um, You've been extremely informative. I would just personally like to thank you. For your time, your education that you share with us, and your dedication to our community. Thank you both very much. Well, thank you. Thank you. We, we appreciate the kind words, to be sure. Thank you. It has been, it has been an actual genuine pleasure um, doing this for two years. It has not been a small chunk of my time, to be sure, um, but it has allowed um, me to use my education. I have found, I have been fortunate to obtain in a way that has provided, to not get too sentimental, um, significant meaning to uh, this pandemic for me personally. So I appreciate the kind words, but it has been my pleasure. Likewise, it's been um, nice to have something that you feel like you could actually do to help and make a little bit of a difference for Sometimes, our listeners. around the margins. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for good or ill. Yeah. Uh, 707-895-2448 is the number. Hello, caller. You, you are live on the air. Hi, this is uh, Fred calling from Yorkville. I'm the uh, breakaway case that called in uh, a few months back. And I just tested positive for the third time since August. Are you August. kidding me? Oh my gosh, Fred. Third time, and I'm, I'm, I haven't been sick, but I'm just curious how this could be happening. Um, I te- I've been testing religiously every week since I first came in contact with it in August. And all my tests have been negative, negative, and then my last one, February 9th, positive i don't have a clue where i got it i haven't been in any crowds haven't been inside around a lot of people so anyway i'd just like to throw that out there and see if uh, dr colfax has any idea yeah fred i mean you're 
definitely in the um, group of people that I would call unlucky in one sense because you've had it so many times, but also quite fortunate in another because you are, what I can tell, completely fine. Um, and so yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's, it, it is the nature of this pandemic. Um, and it's also the nature of this Omicron surge where we're seeing, you know, hundreds of cases a day in the county that many of us are going to get it. Most of us are not like you. Most of us don't test every week. So we don't know when we have a, an asymptomatic or a very mildly symptomatic case. I mean, many of us will just get a sniffle for a few hours and completely ignore it or think oh, it's allergies and just go on. You seem to be quite diligent in your testing, which is great, but it does result in sometimes some cognitive dissonance when it is a double line on your home test kit if you if you have that brand. Um, and so it's... I I haven't even done the home test yet. I've, I've been doing the uh, ones at the senior center, which are PCR tests. Yeah, no, those are those are good tests. And you know, I would I would say that you're just sort of one of these people who doesn't clear it. But it sounds like you've had multiple negative tests and then a positive one. So somehow, somewhere, you are picking up a little a touch of the Rona, as we say at work. Um, but yeah. you know, your your immunity clearly is is handling it quite quite um, quite well. Oh yeah. Yeah, I have one more question. Um, is there any way they can tell by this test if it's the O that I got this time? Or uh, there, there's not any practical way. Um, the state has a lab. Um, some of the big municipalities have a, a lab that allows them to do the RNA analysis, but we don't have that in this county. We don't really even have a way to get it to a, a jurisdiction where they could run it for us, not practically at least, and certainly not in any sort of time-sensitive way. It would take about two weeks running through the state lab um, to to get that back. But I think I am quite comfortable telling you that you have the big O. Um, it's there, There's no yeah, doubt about it. that. There's, there's not any other strain out there right now. Now, initially, uh, we were told that if you're test positive, you need to stay out of circulation for 10 days. Then it was dropped to five days. Now, what is it now? It's still five um, with a negative test or seven uh, without is the current guideline, as I recollect. I, I haven't reviewed them in the last few days. But last I checked, that's what it was. Uh, if you're asymptomatic, um, you know, seven days out of circulation would be more than adequate. Um, if you want to come out a couple okay. days early, well, get I'll it. Be yeah. I'll be safe tomorrow. Well, good. If sounds like, sounds like you're doing fine. Yeah. Yeah. All okay. Right, well, Fred. thanks a lot for your great show, Doc. It's been great, and I'm always going to be listening. Well, hang in there, Fred. We'll we'll await your next call when you get it for the what fourth time now. I can't believe it. It's a world oh, record. I, yeah. Uh, the world record is right. Yeah. I'm, I believe. In, I just want to stress, people keep getting tested. The more you get tested, the more you've got a grip on when this thing is and where it is. That's exactly right. All right. Thanks, Fred. Okay. Thanks a lot. Bye. And not spreading it. Right. All right. Well, surprisingly enough, the phone lines are quiet. Wow. Poor Fred, man. I know. Three times? Is that even... It's like the park ranger that got struck by lightning eight times or whatever. Did that happen? Is it just kind of like... I don't want to say like typhoid Mary, but like some people are just more susceptible. Well, he doesn't to sound like he's the spreader. No, he's, he's not just, spreading. <laughs> I know it's the, it's the opposite. It's just some famous person who was sick with the virus. But I mean, is, are some people more susceptible? 
Possibly. I mean, we, we really don't see any good evidence for that. There was a tizzy early on about blood type. Um, oh, yeah. But that's not really borne out in any significant way. There are certainly, you know, unidentified, um, probably genetic predispositions for some of us who get really sick from it and some of those of us who don't. But that hasn't been teased out yet and frankly may never uh-huh. you know, viruses tend to be fairly idiosyncratic and who they make extremely sick and, and it, who the, don't. it mutates then oh it mutates so yes. as soon as you figure out one strain then another one comes along as we have learned and shall learn again now hopefully the next strain which will come along it proves to continue along this trend of becoming less virulent but that is no guarantee 707-895-2448. This is the local coronavirus update. Good morning, caller. You're live on the air. Good morning. Uh, I read a study recently that said that when you get a vaccine, if you take well, Sorry, you, you broke up there after the word vaccine. Oh, see, Bill Gates came in and censored it. And censored it. Yeah, it wasn't me, folks. <laughs> no. She just broke up. Call back. You, Try again. Sounds like you lost connection there. Call back eight nine five two four four eight seven zero seven. Probably the five G towers interfering. Oh, now <laughs> you want to get the phone lines really lighting up around here. <laughs> Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Hi, I'm wondering about uh, Fred Woolley and who's had both vaccinations and been boosted and I'm wondering if you have with that and with having contracted COVID at least testing positive for it how long can the virus hang out in in your body uh, with under those conditions in other words he's concerned about even if he's not feeling sick he doesn't want to give it to anybody else and that's why you quarantine right but if 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 you were totally unvaccinated and uh, tested positive for COVID, I imagine the 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 it could really be happening in your body, and you'd be very um, you'd be able to transmit it quite easily. But if he's had uh, all this, the vaccines and the boosting and stuff, um, is is he less likely to give it to somebody else than somebody who is unvaccinated and tested positive? Yeah, that, that's a great question. Um, and it, it's hard to put an exact number on it, but we do know that people who are vaccinated um, and there's less robust data on those who are boosted simply because we haven't had long enough to accumulate that data. But we do know that the rate of transmission from those people who contract COVID is reduced substantially. Best estimates put it at around 40 to 50 percent reduction in uh, transmissibility from those individuals. So Fred, and we'll use your first his first name because he offered it up for us, mm-hmm. who is um, boosted, vaccinated, boosted, and now dealing with his at least third round of the Rona, um, probably has a very low viral load, which means that he was probably transmitting this at a very low level, if at all, actually. Actually, it's hard to quantify definitively, which is why the guidelines have to be a little bit um, general. But I would suspect that if we had some way to measure the viral load um, in his um, in his breath as he exhales or coughs or sneezes, it is um, probably quite low indeed. We just don't have that. Um, but it's, it's a good point. Um, it's a very good point indeed. One small 
sort of technical point I would make is people who have COVID aren't quarantined. They are isolated. Uh, people are exposed to COVID, at least back in the day, used to quarantine. But uh, the, the quarantining has more or less um, faded away as we have so much corona around us these days. Okay, it'd be proper to say isolated. Yeah, it's just, yeah. A, it's just a technical point. If I, don't, if I don't correct it, somebody will call in and say I neglected to yeah. make that point. Yeah. Can I, I don't know if you got another call. I got a more general question. Go for it. Um, worldwide, um, I know somebody who's uh, working overseas and uh, in third world countries, and they say, well, you know, I mean, we understand that in this country, um, it's like the highest percentage of people catching COVID anywhere in the world. And uh, other first world countries, or what do you call it, you know, highly industrialized mm -hmm. nations seem to have a much higher percentage of people catching COVID. And here's a person in a third world country that says, well, you know, people aren't wearing masks too much, but doesn't seem like people are getting sick. Uh, but it's because she's thinking that people aren't uh, getting tested there. The records aren't up to date. Uh, what's your take on uh, why it seems like by the numbers, uh, highly industrialized countries are having a lot more cases of COVID and COVID deaths, especially this country, compared to other countries. Is it just because record-keeping? Yeah, it, oh. it, that, that, that's a good question. I think it's a, one that has um, kept a lot of public health uh, officials up wondering, particularly people who work on the world, on the global stage. Um, you know, one thing to keep in mind, uh, besides your point that, you know, developing nations have less developed healthcare delivery systems, and there is certainly much lower testing, if at all, in in significant swaths of the, of the world. Um but that aside, um, developing nations also tend to be rural, uh, with much greater concentration of people, you know, working in a more dispersed rural um, setting, which would one thinks tend to favor lower transmissibility. Still, though, in the in the mega cities of the developing nations, so you know, cities like you know Kinshasa or Lagos um, or cities in India, which did have a pretty robust surge, to be sure, it wasn't quite as devastating as a lot of us anticipated a year or two ago and it's not entirely clear why certainly there's an undercount certainly you know the vast majority of people in you know the impoverished countries just die at home um right they don't yeah, go to a hospital yeah. there is not health care in, in huge swaths of africa for example mm -hmm. but whether they're dying from covid we're probably not going to know for another year or two when excess mortality data finally um is you know available through the who and some of the other organizations that track that yeah Okay, well, thanks a lot. Sure. All right, thanks Bye. for the question. Bye-bye. Let's take a call. How about that one? Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Hey, thanks. So, um, not off topic, but it seems like uh, it's going to be the never-ending pandemic. <laughs> and maybe it'll soften, but I'm almost 70, and I'm raising grandkids, and I'm asthmatic, which they say long haul tends to be people who are asthmatic. So... I feel like nobody addresses the mental health part of this, that the isolation of two years, and now it seems like nobody's really speaking the words that basically it's going to go on forever, and people like me are going to be masked forever, I mean, until we die. And these boosters, 
are definitely proving disappointing. I, I mean, I get the science of it, and once there's a new variant, then there's going to be another booster. But why aren't we addressing how this is affecting people's mental health and using some of those Measure B dollars, God knows where they're going, to at least have peer you know, uh, support groups, or support groups throughout the county to help people deal with their mental health health issues around this pandemic. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's, I, I I have discussed and we have discussed um, quite a bit the sort of the emotional um, and and psychological and psychiatric burden that this pandemic has extracted. Particularly, not on just all of us in general. I'm not talking about sort of the general fatigue that we um, have, um, but I'm talking about sort of the more tangible, dangerous, um, significant effects that this isolation is having, not just on people with mental illness, but on children and adolescents and teens you know i don't think it's coincidental that we're seeing you know massive surges of drug abuse in this county you know drug fatalities occurring if not on a daily basis on a weekly basis um without fail that has really surged in the last couple of years you make a good point um you know that this is going to go on forever i hope, you know, and I hesitate to be too optimistic, but I I think we are getting to a point where it's going to become endemic. Um, Whether we, you know, encourage masking for people, individuals such as yourself, sort of forever or not, remains an open question. Um, I... Forever is just my the rest of my lifetime. Which no, I understand, I'm, and you know, forever is the rest of my lifetime as well. Um, so it's 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 an open question, right? We don't we don't really know. We don't know what the next strain is going to look like. We don't really know how the um, induced immunity combined with the natural immunity that we are all developing as a population is going to interface with the next uh, strain. Right. Uh, yeah. But I don't really personally want to take the risk because of my health condition, you know, pre-existing conditions, whatnot, and also because I'm raising grandkids who need me to stick around. Right. But what I would like from your community as well as, you know, local government is to stop spoon-feeding us some optimism that it's everything's going to go back to normal. Oh, yeah. No, I... any of us, there is never going to be that sense before the pandemic came. Never. So, Correct. You know, yeah, we're, no. we're reaching out and saying, help us. Help us deal with that. Get real. And that's that's what I you know needed to have you respond to. Yeah, Thank no, I, I hear you and that, that that is correct. This you know, the the new normal is not going to be the old normal. What it looks like um, is hard to predict absolutely. I think a substantial minority of us will elect, um, particularly in high risk venues, to wear a face mask. I mean I frankly can't imagine um, myself ever getting on a plane again without a face mask. I just you know, they, they work really well. I don't like getting a cold or a flu or any of the other respiratory uh, things that you know we used to just sort of live with now having you know having worked with face masks for my entire medical career um, and now that they have segued into sort of the general consciousness of our of our nation um, I think some of us will continue to wear them even once this becomes endemic at least the irony is though today is take off your mask I day. know I right? know right that is the yep. irony that is a, that is a delicious irony um, in in a, in a, you know, in a pandemic that has revealed one irony after another, to be sure. But <laughs> anyway, thank you for your service. I love this show, and uh, keep up the good work, you guys. 
Thank you. Thanks for the call. You know, as you say that, the the fact that we now have the option of putting on masks to protect ourselves from respiratory illnesses, it's it's in the scheme of things, you know, it's it's a pretty small life adjustment. But you know, reality, this pandemic isn't separated for me from the climate changes that we're seeing and the the climate changes are going to demand of us much, much larger changes in our lifestyle and our behavior and our quality of life if we don't get our arms around them than this pandemic ever did. And so I think it's almost like a trial run to see how we how we can adjust when, you know, global factors throw things at us like a pandemic. But ah, I'm thinking... Wow. I'm not optimistic. No, right? you know we're 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 walking away from the mask requirement when we're still, you know, seeing seventy cases per hundred thousand in the state. I mean that's that's ludicrous, right? And if I were like the call seventy year old caller of asthma, I'd be frustrated. I can wear my mask into a store, but I know we're all safer if everybody else in that store is also masked up, right? And so the notion that this is so burdensome that I'm not going to have to wear a mask when I go get my groceries is frankly ludicrous and misguided um but you know that's that's the country we live in you know meanwhile we're planting more grapes while we don't have any rain and we don't have any water to you know water the grapes so yeah. it's it's a new era it's an era of well it's it's just depressing honestly. things are changing for us things yes. are changing for our society and we're gonna have to adapt or i don't know what that's okay throwing a little bit more of the mental health <laughs> that's what's going on with my mental health hello caller you are live on the air yeah, hi. Um, I was wondering uh, in regard to Fred, is it possible that he's um, continuing to shed virus as opposed to uh, separate uh, infections? Yeah, that, that's a good question. I mean, and I would say yes, except he apparently is being tested on a weekly basis and has had a whole series of negative tests before he pops positive. Um, and so I, I think that that hypothesis um, is one that I entertain, but I have to walk away from. It's also possi- possible, um, albeit less likely, that it's a false positive. False positives are pretty rare, frankly. Um, false negatives are much more common, which is to say you might get a negative test and actually have uh, COVID. But when it tests positive, I generally tell people that you can't test yourself out of that. You just kind of have to believe it because it's, it's a pretty good test when it, when it triggers positive. Right, and if they if they happen to be ones that they were doing genomic sequencing on, then of course they'd have a, a clearer idea. I suppose. Yeah, but we're we're really not doing that. I mean, that's you know we we, we know it's Omicron um, at this point. It was it was sort of a more interesting question at the end of December um, when we we're trying to decide which monoclonals to give and whether they're going to work or not and whether the risk benefits etc. But now now it's all Omicron all the time, at least for the moment. Right. Thank you. Yep. All right. Thanks for the call. 707-895-2448. This is the local coronavirus update. I'm Alicia Bales at the controls here in the studio with Dr. Drew Colfax. We'll take our next call. Whoops. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Yes, good morning. Thank you so much for this program. Um, one of my suggestions is that we need to broaden the conversation around the effect that uh, COVID has had on the community other than uh, health effects. Um, it has permanently closed many of our businesses, 
and changed people who were contributing members of our communities to um, being reliant on help from the government or from other sources. It's had a very profound effect beyond um, the health implications, and I agree about it being too soon to take away face masks. I am a asthma sufferer, and without face masks and the uh, vaccines, I might not be here. Um, I'd love to see the conversation go further. No, I, I, you make a good point. I mean, the the economic toll, um, both nationally and statewide and locally, and even, you know, at the micro level here in Anderson Valley is is real, right? I mean, it's been a significant um, burden at the household level, um, really not offset in any effective way by any governmental intervention. I mean, there was checks that rolled out a couple of years ago, um, and that was kind of it. I mean, most of us are still waiting, if you can believe it, for our quote-unquote free COVID tests if you requisition them from the government, right? So, you know, two years in, we can't even get that organized yet. Two years in, we still don't have sort of a general face mask distribution policy. Two years in, you can't, you still can't get tested pretty much on demand anywhere all the time with real test results. I mean, it, the the level of incompetence, even on the medical side, is, is startling, right? And if you start to yeah. try to factor in the economic costs, the restaurants that closes, the you know the the forward-facing service industry, um, the tourist industry businesses that have closed or shuttered over the course of the last two years, and the jobs that that has resulted in uh, vanishing. That's all you know. That's harder to measure, um, but it yeah, is certainly it's really it's exacerbated the disappearance of main streets all over this country. Yes. And if you missed. The PPP loans that are now crippling people trying to pay them back, um, then you were just sure out of luck. And as one who has lost her business, it's excruciating. It is um, beyond everything else, the isolation and things that is it really takes it out of you and requires a truly strong constitution to try to come back especially if you're my age which is just a month shy of 75 um it's a it's a challenge that one shouldn't have to be facing and if anybody ever tells me again that we live in the richest country on the face of the earth i think i'll hit them (laughs) Well, yeah, the, I think I will absolutely commit mayhem and bodily harm. Yeah, it, I don't want to hear it. Well, you know, it's a it's a point well taken, and uh, you know, I, I homeschool my three kids, and you know, part of my part of my uh, instruction and our my discussions with them is, you know, what you know what median means, what what uh, average means, what the mode is, and so you know, we may be one of the richest countries in the world, but boy, is it poorly distributed, right? I mean, there are what a <laughs> hundred families that own fifty percent of the nation's wealth. Are you kidding me? It's, yep. it's, Actually, there yeah. are. I I think that they estimated that there are four or five people that hold the bulk of the wealth over everyone 
on the face of the earth. Canadian truckers, now, are you hearing this? <laughs> uh, it is. It is. It was what one of the most mind blowing things that I have heard this morning. No. And uh, I mean the. You know, they tell you to stay calm, <laughs> meditate, breathe, and all you have to do is hear a statistic like that, and you, 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 that's out the window. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, the fury that I feel at the position that I'm in because of this, yeah. and the poor handling of this by a previous administration, and it's not so great now, let's face it. No, exactly. Um, it's, it's, it, it was a catastrophe initially, and it has been sort of a mildly tempered catastrophe in the last year, frankly. It hasn't well, been, let's, yeah. let's leave it at this. Yes. People have power. They have a voice. Damn it. Stand up and use your power, use your voice. You actually can make a difference to stand up and do something. Exactly, and it doesn't have to here, require here. you know, you know, a walking out of the front door today and and um, creating Medicare for all. That's not going to happen. But the the small changes at the Good local start. level, well, that would be nice, right? But uh, you know, the small changes at the local level is kind of where things are going to happen. You know, and it, and that could perhaps you know sort of do a reverse Reagan trickle up sort of thing. Um, but you know, trying to change everything all at once is is the tilting against big pharma, tilting against big politics, tilting against the hundred richest families in this country, you know, that's those are windmills that even even Cervantes did not imagine. All power comes from the people. Well, I have another quote, but I'm not gonna <laughs> 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 go there. <laughs> okay. Well, and the other thing, when you're talking about long-term effect and long-term effects and and the big big consequences, you know, I don't think we'll understand for a while now what impact this has on our kids. Um, they have had the most disrupted couple of years. Uh, we we didn't grow up this way. We didn't we didn't have to experience this kind of disruption. And you know, college application rates are are way down. And I think it's just a lot of the outcomes from this uh, remain to be seen. And hopefully, we'll, we'll we're getting through it. I, I think the cl closest historical uh, comparison, uh, at least on a nationwide basis, uh, would be the Great Depression. Right. I mean, that really shaped how an entire generation viewed the world and, and structured their lives. And I think that's what's going to come out of um, this pandemic for the for the generation, um, you know, that's turning 20 in the next few years. So, so interesting. Yeah. All right. We'll take our next call. We've got just uh, eight minutes left. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Hi there. I um I dropped my call earlier, but I'm in better range now. Great. I was curious. I read recently a study that said that when you get a vaccination, say for the flu or for COVID, that if you take a brisk walk for an hour and a half afterwards, you get more um, more results. You get more antibodies. Have you read that or heard anything about that? I have heard that rumor. Um, and while I encourage brisk walks in general, um, I, I'm afraid there's not a lot of data to support it. So I would, I would not, um, I would not um, endorse that notion. Um, a brisk walk after getting a vaccine is certainly going to help with the soreness uh, that you might have the next day, um, but it's not going to give you a stronger immune response. At least there's no data to support that. Alrighty, thanks for that info. Yep. All right. Thanks for the call.
but you know, brisk walks are a good idea, particularly in yeah. this emotionally fraught time. Wouldn't discourage it. Yeah. And boy, there are some great places to briskly walk. And in there's our certainly county. no rain to keep you indoors right nope. now. It's yeah, it's not brisk. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Oh, thank you. That's you. I have a question about vaccination, a testing question. And that is, I'm not very familiar at all with testing, but does the answer, do these tests come as a digital answer or as an analog answer? In other words, is it yes or no, or you've got a certain percentage? Ah, yes, it's a, it's a yes or no. Uh, you either got it or you don't. It's kind of like a pregnancy test. You're not just a little bit pregnant. Um, I can assert however that you're not pregnant at all uh, but yes it's it's either um a positive or a negative there's no sort of a, a, a mild um sort of spectrum on any of these tests either the the pcr tests or the antigen tests even when the little line that shows up is faint well, the little, if it's faint, uh, it's still real. Um, it, pro it perhaps may reflect a lower viral load, um, but that's not really validated yet in any data. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. All right, good question. Okay, I think we have time for one or two more. Sure. Oops. Not that one. Hello, caller. You are live on the air. Yeah, I, I always get my head kind of twisted around on this. I originally read and heard that the masks actually are for the people that are away from you. It wasn't for you because they were to protect people from you. Yeah, and then we walk and, that back. Oh, do you? Okay, because yeah. the, the reason I, I kind of think about it all the time is when you see a surgeon going into an operation, uh -huh. he always wears a mask, and he doesn't wear the mask or she. to get something from the patient. He, he gets it from them giving them. So, um yeah. I know the 95s were supposed to be the best and stuff. Yeah, so the yeah the, the you know early on 2 years ago um there was a a phrase that came I think out of France but certainly out of Europe I I don't recollect where you know my mask protects you and your mask protects me. It actually and that that sounded great it sounded sort of you know it it, it sort of uh, promoted a sense of community, um, trying to protect itself. But really, the masks work both ways. My mask protects you, and it protects me, and it works best if we're all masked. Um, but, you know, your surgeon example um, is, is one that also applies. You know, your, your surgeon wearing a mask keeps his um, viruses or droplets. Or her. Or her. Um, contained. Um, but also keeps that surgeon from being exposed. Um, and that's, you know, that's kind of the standard, particularly in operating rooms where, um, you know, things tend to be more exposed, shall we say. Yeah. Well, that, that was just the way I used to try and get, keep my head on. Yeah. <laughs> keep your head on. Around. Yeah, keep your head with on. All these half, yeah. yeah, all these half truths that we continue to get on all these stuff. Well, it's hard to say who's on first, you know. Yeah, well, it, you know, the half truths, I mean it it has been confusing because we have been, you know, watching science unfold in real time on this. Um and right. you know, it it tends to be confusing. So if if the if the narrative changes, part of it might be political expediency, part of it might be increased scientific clarity. Um, and it's it's certainly been a miss a mix uh, of those things throughout this uh, pandemic. Um, yeah. and, and it's it's just been a fascinating sort of um, anthropological study uh, with you know only nine hundred twenty thousand American deaths and counting. <sighs> yeah, 
and right. and wonder why we did so poorly in the in the United States when other countries didn't. That that's that's one I haven't figured out yet. But you were right on the thing. It's part political and part science. Yeah, you just got to sort the the wheat for the shaft is what you got to do. And I appreciate your <laughs> well, conversation. You. All right, thank thanks. You. Thank you. And do the best we can do with the information that we have at the time. Um, we got about two minutes. Should quick we call. Try to take quick a call. quick one. Uh, you know, Caller, over the reply can you do a quick question? Yeah, could you tell me the uh, phone number for getting the um, results? Uh, if you go to the fairgrounds and get tested, I call, I remiss and uh, I I lost the uh, number and I called the COVID hotline and they gave me a phone number that was just for uh, mental health and I really just wanted the mm. results of the test and Boy. so that's it. Uh, if you have that, well, or or could suggest to them that they would have it. Yeah, hold on a moment. We yeah, are, we, I don't have I don't. that number. I know that you can go to lhi.care um, to find that. Let me look right now. Yeah, I don't I don't have that in front of me. Okay. Uh, time for one more quick question? Sure. Okay. Uh, if, if I ever did test positive and then after that I was negative, I've always um, donated blood as an O negative. Mm-hmm. Would I, but in the future, if I was negative in my test would i be able to ever donate blood again yes this is not this is not a condition that would preclude you from donating blood and if you're o negative please donate because you have extremely valuable blood thank you take care thank you thank you okay well that's gonna do it we have just a little bit uh we have one minute left so do you want to just leave us with a final thought and i'll see if i can find that phone number in the meantime yeah I'm, i'm sorry i don't have search capabilities in front of me uh, my final thought is you know we are we are finally getting through omicron um it's going to continue to improve over the course of the next month where we stand four or five months from now i hope is one of considerable improvement um i am optimistic somewhat cautiously but optimistic that we may not see another surge or another variant that overwhelms us the way Omicron did, um, given our high natural um, and induced immunity that we currently enjoy. Um, So continue to be safe. I would roundly ignore the mask mandate for those of us who don't want COVID um, and come back in two weeks and we'll update you then. All right. We'll be back on March 1st. Thanks, Drew. Yep. Thank you, Alicia. This has been the Local Coronavirus Update podcast with Dr. Drew Colfax, produced by Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can also hear us live on the web at www.kzyx.org. If you'd like to listen live and call in to the local coronavirus update, you can find us every first and third Tuesday of the month at 9 a.m. Pacific time. Our live studio call-in number is 707-895-2448. You can also email your questions to dj at kzyx.org. And you can always listen to our podcast, KZYX Local Coronavirus Update with Dr. Drew Colfax. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Our theme music is Bad News Blues by Lucinda Williams, and our outro music is a song called Stumptown, composed and performed by Zach Borden. I'm Alicia Bales. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.